With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Nicole Chavez has styled some of the biggest names in Hollywood, from her first client, Rachel Bielsen, to stars like Kristen Bell and Scarlett Johansson. Now Nicole is drawing back the curtain on how she made the leap from costuming to celebrity styling, the role of intuition in her work, and why she is on a mission to help everyone cultivate style confidence. Nicole, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I love the way you describe your upbringing, which is working class, hippie parents in California. Can you give me a sense of what that childhood was like? It was pretty perfect, I have to say. I don't have a lot of complaints. My family moved to an area called La Cañada, and I lived there my whole life. I was born there. And it was just a beautiful cute little neighborhood to grow up in. Everybody, I mean, this is so dating myself, but we just rode bikes, roller skated, hung out with friends, came in when it was dark. I mean, life was really simple then. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, that's, especially now that we're raising kids of our own, it's like, that's the dream. Just like throw them out in the street and have them come home in time for dinner. And it's hard to find now. Yes, The way you describe your mom reminds me of my own mom and myself to some degree, which is like a not particularly ornate person, someone not super into style or to fashion. It's really your grandmother that's your big inspiration. Can you tell me about her? Let me talk about my mom for a second because it wasn't that she wasn't into fashion, but it just wasn't like a priority for her. So for her, it was just more about, you know, taking care of us and making sure that we were happy and my dad was happy, all of that. So like fashion stuff was second rate, but 
my mom was an amazing caretaker and still is. And so when my grandmother got sick uh, pretty early on in my life, she came to live with us. And I'd always been very close to her, but that time in particular, we just had such a deep connection. I was like five, six, seven years old, and I would just lay with her all day and ask her questions. And she would tell me about fashion and beauty and jewelry. And she was just, yeah, she was pretty amazing and still is. Your own love of fashion, I mean, this is this is a thing you find young. It is clear that you love it. Can you tell me about the outfits you were putting together, the things that were drawing attention to you as a young person? Where I grew up was a predominantly white community. At that time, there wasn't a lot of diversity there. So I was definitely the most that I was aware of Hispanic person that was going to my school. I had dark curly hair. Everyone had blonde hair, blue eyes. So I was definitely keeping up with their fashion. But at the same time, there was something like very deep inside of me that craved this just loud, tons of ruffles, color, pattern, print. My mom and dad and grandmother used to take me down to Oliver Street. And I would say, I want all the dresses. I want all of them, all of them. Like I was obsessed with those (laughs) really over the top little dresses for little girls. And I... I didn't know where, because I didn't have a lot of Latina roots growing up. My dad is Hispanic, my grandmother was, but there was something about growing up in LA when my grandmother was raising my dad that it was almost like, not ashamed of your roots, but you wanted to assimilate and be part of the community and not sort of stand out. So I never learned to speak Spanish and I didn't have a lot of Spanish roots to draw from. There's a lot of food and things like that in my house. But so it's interesting that I naturally gravitated towards that type of fashion. And I still do. I love color. I love pattern. It's definitely so innate in who I am and how I style. It's interesting. It's just, it is part of who I am. You go to school, you study photography, but you keep sort of coming back to this idea of working with models and styling. And it's like, it's easy to see in retrospect how it's right there in front of you, Mm -hmm. but it's not the most obvious path. And you have this conversation I think is really important in terms of understanding the trajectory of your career with a Disney executive who asks you, what do you want to do? So many young people have this moment where someone asks them what they want to do. And there can be this tendency, especially in our community, to demure and to not assert what it is you want. But you're crystal clear in that conversation, and it sets you on the trajectory for the rest of your life. Completely. I stumbled into art through my high school. I had an amazing art teacher. I never thought that art was a career that I could pursue. She believed in me. It led me to my you know, major in photography. I didn't know much about it in the sense of like what I was going to do afterwards and how fashion was going to fold into that. And so when I graduated, I still was unclear what my next step was in terms of what type of job I wanted. I knew that I loved photography. I didn't love the math in photography, but I really loved the styling aspect, the behind the scenes curating, casting models, just a lot of the, the creative side of it. So I took a little time off. my Once I graduated college, I took a year and I worked for an interior designer, just still feeding that creative brain. 
And that designer was working with a client who became a family friend. And it was one of those things where they just, they needed a nanny. They needed a babysitter. They were traveling. I started filling in for them. And yeah, Peter was really assertive with me and said, I know you graduated. What's your next step? What do you want to do? I said, I want to work in movies. I want to do costumes and film and television. And I had no experience or any understanding really of what that meant, but I just said, that's what I want to do. And so he said, okay, let me see if I know anybody that is looking for a production assistant. Turns out I got a meeting at Disney with a producer. So I go in, I'll giddy to go. And they're like, okay, if you can fly yourself out there and put yourself up, you have a job as a production assistant on this huge movie. And I said, I'm there, done. Like didn't even, not even hesitation. I think I made, I don't know, $100 a day, if that. And once taxes were taken out, I had very little to live on. And that job led me back to Los Angeles and got me in the costume design union. And really from there, it was just sort of, you just start meeting people, you start networking, you get in with certain teams and the rest is sort of history. I tell this to people all the time. If somebody cracks the door open a little bit, barge through and just go for it. It's such a great opportunity and not everybody gets that opportunity. So when you do, don't waste it, like make the best of it. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Those opportunities lead you to a show that listeners who are my age will know and love, The O.C. And what I think is important there is, you know, 
shows come and go. And then there are shows that are phenoms, right? That like all of a sudden it is in the zeitgeist. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone knows the actors who are on the show. And the OC was that. The fashion on the OC was that. And for you, it represents this major moment because it's where you meet Rachel Bielsen, you work together. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the conversations you were having that led you from, I'm styling you on the show in the form of a character to there's an opportunity to style you the person and how then you differentiated between who she was on the show and who she was in the world. When I got the OC, they'd already shot the pilot and how it sort of works when you are in the costuming arena. There's different levels. There's shoppers, there's costumers, there's costume supervisors, there's costume designers. At the time, I was a costumer. So I was allowed to shop and be on set. That's what my union allowed me to do at that point in my career. So I had a lot of friends and we would just jump from show to show. So when you were a shopper, is it like you're given direction where they're like, this is what this character is? Or do they tell you like, go find a yellow cardigan? Both. Sometimes it'll be really specific. And also as a shopper, you're shopping fabrics. You're going downtown, you're pulling leathers, you're coming back with like all different leathers. I've worked on films where we make all the costumes from scratch, every single one. Then there's shows like The OC where you're shopping or you're pulling from showrooms. So they're all very different and your job is different every time and your team is different. So my job was to be on set every day with the actors. I was in charge of making sure when we were on the day shooting that they were in the correct outfit. I would take continuity photos and I would just maintain their looks on set. And they were long hours. We're talking like five in the morning till like 10 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday. And that is how I met Rachel. We would just be sitting around for hours and hours all day, looking at magazines, talking about fashion. And so as the show grew in popularity, there was more and more red carpet appearances that they needed to go to. So yeah, she asked me like, hey, do you think that you could find a dress for me to wear to X, Y, and Z? And so it started very casually like that. And I would just cold call people. I had no idea what I was doing. I would just ding, ling, ling, like, hello, Chanel. I'm just wondering if we can borrow this look for this event. And they said, yes. It took about a year for it to sort of sink in that that's what I was doing because I was writing both. I was still working on the show for the first season and I was helping Rachel out after hours. And I was really loving it. Like, it was amazing because it was just me making my own, you know, we were making creative decisions together, but it wasn't like a team. So it was It was fun in that sense. And she introduced me to Kristen Bell, who at the time was on Veronica Mars. And they were going to a lot of the same events. And she was like, you need to meet my friend, Nicole, if you ever need help with styling. And that's what led to my second client. And that's when it kind of hit me that, oh, this like could be my job. I've worked with stylists a few times. I remember the first time that I did it working in TV news. This woman, she was excellent. She came in, she looked at my closet and she's like, you own no pants. And she was like, why do you not own any pants? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just don't like pants. And she looked at me and she very matter-of-factly with like the love of a sister, she was like, you're smaller on top than you are on the bottom. And you compensate for that by wearing a lot of skirts and dresses. Would you please trust me to put you in a pair of pants? 
And all of a sudden I'm like crying in my closet because this thing that I have thought in my own mind for the past 30 years, I've never really talked about with anyone else. And I bring up that story because there is a part of your work that is art and alchemy and business. And then there's a part of it also that I imagine is personal therapy. Like you've been with some of these girls from pre-baby, post-baby, single to married, 20s to 30s to 40s. And your relationship to your body changes, and then your relationship to clothes changes with it. And so I imagine that there's also a really emotional piece to the work that you do. I'm very, very blessed because the women that trust me to get them dressed and to select clothes for them trust me. And so I would never want them to be in a situation that they ever felt uncomfortable. I can tell immediately the body language, all of that is so obvious to me. And even if it looks amazing, maybe the best thing they've ever put on, if they're not feeling it, I can never sell it on the carpet. It will never translate. As an actor, you're putting yourself out there in a very vulnerable way. And when you have to do press, even though you're doing press for a TV show, film, whatever your project is, it's still you now, the person out there promoting it. So Yes, it's very layered. There's a lot of psychology that goes into it. I think because my intuition is so strong and that I really follow my gut and I feel things really strongly that I just stay in that headspace and I don't overthink things and I just go with my internal gut. Teach me how to do that, Nicole, not just for fashion, like in life. It would be great to just stay in an intuitive space. As I've gotten older, I have to work at it more because there's more noise in my life now. Mm. The pandemic, as tough as that was, I really found ways to calm myself through meditation. And if I get up early and I take care of myself first, it's like the analogy of putting your your oxygen mask on first and then helping others. That's what I think of my meditation when I do it at like 6 a.m. Before it's quiet in my house, nobody's up. I get up, I do it. My mind is clear. I'm ready for the day. I'm not carrying anything from the night before. I come in anew. It's been a real game changer for me personally and professionally. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the LA area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. So you have this period where you are traveling all over the world, you're going to fashion shows, you're getting all of these clients ready for red carpets. And then as you say, dot, 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 then I became a mom. Mm -hmm. What changed when you became a mom? Everything changed for me. I, one, I didn't know I could humanly like love something or somebody so much, you know, like want to prioritize them in front of everything else you're doing. So that was hard because my work was my everything. I thought about it all the time. I dreamt about it. It was my whole entire world and universe. And so it was different to step back and become a mom and a nurturer in a different way. You know, nurturing adults is different than nurturing children. It was a nice change. It was something that I needed. I had done a lot of my career at that point and 
I was really kind of okay with slowing down a little bit. You are actively styling, but I also get the sense from your bio on your website that you are seeing this period as a bit of a transition into something bigger. Can you sort of tell me about what has brought you to that moment and what it is you see for yourself moving forward? So again, during my early morning meditations, I also started doing a lot of manifesting and talking and writing about things that I still wanted to accomplish in my life. And I noticed that there was this theme that kept coming back, which was like collaborations and working with other people and designers. Because as a stylist, it's just really me. I hire an assistant to come in and out, but I'm, it's really a, a kind of lonely, especially coming from television and film where you're part of a team all the time. So I was kind of yearning for that collab, which I've done a- along the years, but I wanted something a little bit more. And I also felt like the business was changing and the dynamics of styling were changing. The rates were changing. All these things were kind of upside down during the pandemic and a little bit prior to the pandemic, things were shifting. I wanted more control in my day, my day-to-day, not just being sort of at the mercy of what might, well, the pandemic showed me that lesson too. Okay. So there's no red carpets. Well, then I have no work. There's no commercials or I have no work. I got to figure out how am I still going to be creative? How do I get out there and still do what I love? And for me, it's been teaching. And I've found that I do it naturally all the time with my friends and my family. I love clothes. I love styling. I have a long history of doing it. So I have a lot of knowledge. I have a lot of information to share. I find I'm always sharing it. So why wouldn't I share it on a bigger scale? So that's where my website idea came from and sort of shifting my Instagram a little bit to be less of a portfolio and more of what I'm creating or working on or what I'm interested in and wanted to share. Okay. Well, I want to selfishly ask you a question, which is you say that your goal is to help everyone sort of have an easy relationship to style. Where do we start? If there's someone who either wants to make a pivot, a tune-up, someone who's maybe never even really thought about this before, Mm -hmm. where do you start folks? I think the best thing to do is to figure out what your end goal is. So are you getting a new job and you want to have a new look or do you want to do a complete closet overhaul or like your body has changed dramatically and you want to change with it or you're, there's so many different things. I'm a visual person and I think that looking at visual aids is very helpful. So I would suggest for someone to go on Pinterest or who, what, where, Go to somewhere, type in street style, whatever speaks to you. Do you like Paris street style? Do you like LA street style? Start gathering imagery that you are drawn to. And through that, make a little album in your phone and then look through it and start editing like what do you really love from that? And you'll start to see a thread. So you start like to do, oh, well, everything in here is a striped sweater. I must really love stripes. Okay, maybe you're into like French girl style. So maybe that's your vibe. So then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to study that a little bit more. What does that mean? What are the pieces that make a French girl chic? I mean, I can tell you, it's like a trench coat, a striped shirt, jeans, ballet flats, you know, that kind of thing. So like, there's so many different ways you can go, but you kind of have to figure out what it is that you are vibing. What's your story? What story do you want to tell? Nicole, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Cochin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.